0: Good afternoon. afternoon. I almost said good morning. I'm used to preaching the church morning services. My name is Dylan Novak, and whoa, that was nice. Uh, No, you're good. You're good. (laughs) No, it's good to know the lights here. No, so my ministry is pointing the stars to the sun. I give gospel material to celebrities. Now, before I kind of dive in to what my ministry is, I'm going to show you a video first. Then I'm going to tell you all what my ministry is, how it got started who this Matt guy you've been praying for is tell you a couple cool stories funny stories great stories and then i'll tell you what to do with those wristbands in your seat so if you want to go ahead and play the video just go for it i don't know if jesus is real i don't know if he lived i don't know what he means but the paintings of jesus are Really, my desire to convey Christ consciousness. I always do ask, whoever put me here, mm-hmm. the builder, what did you want me to do? Do you think people would be surprised to know how deeply religious you or spiritual you are? Well, if you if you know me, you know it. I don't push it. I just want a relationship with whoever built me. This is too much, too weird that it happened by accident. Didn't happen by accident. I don't. Think mm now- So that kind of gives you all a picture of what I do. <clears throat> this ministry started when I was 13 years old. Is there anybody in here who's 13? Got to get at it. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. No. So what started? I was telling Paul a little bit what I was doing. I was a big comic book superhero nerd. Still am to some degree. And there was a big superhero convention going on in Knoxville, Tennessee. Tennessee. And there were a bunch of superhero celebrities going to be there, including Lou Ferrigno, who used to play the Hulk, Ray Park, who was Darth Maul, Margot Kidder, who was Lois Lane in the Superman movies. Well, I started watching all the movies and TV shows to get excited, and then I ran out. And so then I started watching interviews of these people, and I came across this interview with Margot Kidder and Oprah Winfrey. And Oprah was talking about this new movie Margot had just done called The Tribulation. And she said, well, what did that movie mean to you? Because it's, talk, it's about the rapture. And Margot said, it means absolutely nothing to me. I am an atheist. It was a paycheck. Well, that absolutely broke my heart. Because that's when reality hit me. That Margot Kidder was just like me and just like you. She's a soul that was going to heaven or hell. And at that moment, she was a soul destined for hell. So that night, I prayed for God to please send somebody to tell Margot about Jesus before it was eternally too late. And God really, really, really convicted my heart and was like, what about you? You have the truth? And I kind of had a Jonah argument in my mind. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that. Well, then I, after continuing to pray, God had given me complete peace that it should be me. So I got some tracks from my church. And I took them to the event. And everybody there that day was receptive, including Miss Kidder. So for the next seven years, 13 to 20, that's what I would do. If there was some comic book convention or some celebrity event going on that was somebody that I wanted to meet, there I would go. And I would always Google what that person believed before I went and met them so I could kind of be mentally prepared for what was to come. Well then. When I was 20, a friend of mine asked me, they said, hey, James Taylor, is there anybody in here who even knows who James Taylor is? Oh, wow, I'm impressed. I barely did. <laughs> and um, they said, are you gonna go witness to James Taylor next week? And I said, eh, no, nah, I, don't, I don't think so. And they said, well, have you looked into what he believes? And I said, no. And they said, well, I really think you should. And I, knew, I know in my heart why I hadn't. I didn't wanna go meet James because I wasn't a fan. Selfish heart. But then I thought, all right, I'll humor you and I'll research what they believe. And there was an interview with James Taylor from the Rolling Stone magazine where they said, well, you, you talk about Jesus a lot in your songs. Are you a strong Christian? He said, it's actually almost the exact opposite. I'm agnostic. I don't know if there's a God. My parents were both atheists, and I was never taught anything. But if somebody were to sit down, if somebody were to take the time to show me, I would listen. Well, man, I I was was telling Paul this just a little bit ago. It was like a fire was ignited in me. I got to get to James. And I thought, I wish I had the time to say this, this, and this. Because sometimes with celebrities, you have 30 minutes. Sometimes you have five minutes. Sometimes you have five seconds. You never know. So I decided to write James a letter explaining the gospel based off what he believed. And answer any questions he had said. And that day, I had the opportunity to be able to talk to James for almost half an hour. And it ended with James giving me a hug, and he said, you don't know how much this means to me. This is so special. I'm going to really look into this and listen to you. Thank you so much. So as I was driving home, I had a joy in my heart that I hadn't felt since I was saved, a joy that I wanted to stay there. And so that night, I went and I prayed and gave my entire life over to God, not just a little bit, everything. The hobby, what I was going to do for the rest of my life, everything. I gave it over to God and said, look, if you want me to continue doing what I did today, I'll do it for the rest of my life. If you want me to quit it, I'll quit it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And since then, God has opened doors that I never thought could have been opened. Like That, that was a video of Tom Cruise grabbing the gift bag for me in Knoxville, Tennessee. Who would have ever dreamed Tom Cruise would come to Knoxville? Well, God knew. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of tell you guys a few of the stories of the ministry. So, like I said, some are funny, some are sad, but there's also one at the very end that will make you guys just in shock. Now, before we get into the slideshow, I'm going to tell you guys, Paul was saying that you guys have been praying for Matt this week. This, I, I was shocked by the hands of James Taylor. I'm going, be, I'm going to be even more shocked by this. Does anybody in here know who Loverboy is? Bravo. <laughs> okay, you guys have heard the song Working for the Weekend. That's Loverboy. Their drummer is Matt Frannetti. Matt is who you've been praying for. I saw Matt in Knoxville, Tennessee this past Friday, and I handed him the gift bag, which there's an example of the gift back there. If you all want to go back there and look, and you can see a bunch of the stuff, there's the Bible, my friend Tony Nolan's book, the tracks, and then I don't have a, a letter back there, But I gave it to to Matt, and he said, I I really need some faith right now. Like, this blows my mind. Thank you so much. And he went into the hotel. Well, then later, I knew the lady who was driving the band that day. And she came and found me, and she said, I just sat in the car with Matt for almost 20 minutes, and he's sitting in there bawling his eyes out. He's holding one of the tracks. And he said, do you know what? Did you see that guy outside the hotel? And she said, I had to act like I didn't know who you were. And I was, yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, well, he gave me a Bible. He gave me confirmation cards. That's what he called the tracts. A book, and he, and he had a handwritten letter in there just for me. And he said, at first, I wasn't going to look at it. I saw the Bible. I was like, eh, I don't need that. He said, then I started looking at the letter. And he said, he, he wasn't putting his opinion. He was putting what the Bible said. And he was putting Bible verses. And he said, I, I wish I had a Bible right now that I could go and check all this. And then he thought, wait a second, I do. He gave me a Bible. So he went over to the gift bag, and he opened up the Bible, and he said, I, the whole time before the show, he was sitting there studying it, and he said, I'm freaking out because it all makes sense. He said, so if you can, go find Dylan. He's wearing a Jesus shirt. And tell him to keep praying for me. So the fact that the, you guys are praying for him, the whole camp, that is just amazing. Please do not stop praying for that man. Because he said, I'm going to t- he said, I, I believe in karma, I believe everything happens for a reason, so I can never get rid of this gift and I need to go show it to my wife, I need to talk to my wife about it. So please, please, please keep praying for Matt. So the first slide I'm going to show you is our president, Donald J. Trump. Now I had the opportunity to, thank you for your saluting. Uh, <laughs> It's really fantastic, like truly fantastic that you did that. I love it. (laughs) So I'm just warning y'all, when I say what Donald says, I'm going to say it in Donald's voice. I cannot help it. So this was in October of 2015, the first year of the ministry. And Donald Trump was interviewed by CNN, and they said, well, you're running for the Republican candidacy. Are you a Christian? And he said, yes. And they said... (laughs) And they said, so uh, you've asked God for forgiveness? He said, no. And they were kind of shocked. They said, really? And he said, well, let's use this for an example. I slap you. I need to ask you for forgiveness. That doesn't involve God. But really what he's overlooking is in the Bible, in 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So that's kind of where I based his letter out of. So I thought, I want to get to Donald before Secret Service is issued. I got about halfway to South Carolina and a friend of mine called and said, guess who was just issued Secret Service? And I said, please tell me it was Ben Carson. And he said, well, actually him too, and Donald. But I felt at peace, I kept going, and there were probably 50 people. You can see a crowd behind us there. And I thought, how in the world am I going to stand out to Donald in this crowd? So I went to my car, and I always carry poster board with me. And I got a big old block Sharpie, and I thought, what would what get his attention? Ah, Mr. President, stop, please. Little did I know that would become reality. And so I'm holding it up as he came off the plane. Now, I'm just telling you right now, when he came off the plane, the engines, his hair was going like a blonde tornado. It is 100% real, I promise you. <laughs> so there's a car park probably about the distance of me and Uncle Paul back there. And... So I'm holding up the sign, and he he points to me, and he goes, you're fantastic. And he's getting in the car, and I I, I said, Mr. Trump, will you please come here? And he says, okay. So (laughs) secret service, you know, and they're, they're like, no, 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 you're not supposed to do this. But they came over to me, they said, all right, get everything out of your pockets right now. If you put your hand in your pocket when he's over here, we're putting you down. Okay. So he walks over to me and he said, your sign didn't specify why you wanted me to stop. Do you want a photo? Do you want an autograph? What do you want? I should have said a million dollars. Kidding. But, (laughs) totally kidding. Trust me, the gospel is worth more than any amount of money in this world. And I told him, I said, well, I would love both, but most importantly, sir, I'd love to give you a gift. This is an exact quote from your president, I kid you not. He goes, gifts, I love gifts. Gimme, gimme, gimme. (laughs) I will never... I will never forget it as long as I live. Gimme, gimme, gimme. So I give him. So I give him the gift, and he said, "He said, oh, this is a beautiful Bible. Here, here, take a picture of me holding the Bible and show it to everybody." So here's the. Here is the. Um, there's the photo he wanted you all to see, and so he handed it to Secret Service and said, "Well, that better be on the plane later." So a week later. And you can go back there. There's a picture of it on my laptop. I got a letter in the mail from Donald. And it said, thank you for the beautiful Bible and for your wonderful letter in which you have made so many very important points. Sincerely, Donald J. Trump. And that was really a wake-up call to me in the ministry. I thought, sorry, I don't know why that folded over like that. But I, I thought, wow, people are actually listening. And so throughout the course of the election, I saw him three more times, the third and fourth time he remembered me. The last time I saw him was in Abingdon, Virginia, and Dr. James Dobson had said that Donald had accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And so he's coming through the crowd. I'm holding out his letter. I always use the block Sharpie, and it had New Believers material in it. And as he was coming down, he said, oh, there's the letter. We're in Virginia. You doing okay? Doing good? Good. Good to see you. And I said, Mr. Tr- Mr. Trump, I, uh, I, have, I have a question I need to ask you. And he said, shoot, never say that around Secret Service. It's bad. They get, ju- <laughs> they get jumpy, and it's scary. And I said, were you born again? And he looked at me, he gave me a thumbs up, and he said, you know it. So we need to be praying for our president. Because, listen, I can stand up here and tell you that I'm a born-again believer. You can sit there and tell me you're a born-again believer, but that's between me and the Lord, that's between you and the Lord. I cannot say anybody's saved, because I can't see your heart. So we need to be praying that if Donald has accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, and that God will be giving him strength as he leads our country, and if he hasn't accepted Jesus Christ, pray that he does before it's eternally too late. So this next slide, hang on, I'm, I gotta fix this driving me yes. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> now this this is an interesting story here so I was able to get in touch with uh, good grief I am so sorry so I was able to get in touch with kiss management and I got to go backstage to see all of kiss but gene is the story that really stands out so gene is a jew which means they believe in the old testament but not the new which means they don't believe jesus christ is the messiah and that's the defining question in everybody's life who is jesus to you so i was able to talk with him but he knew i was coming and he said here's the problem, you don't know who you worship. And I said, no, I do. He said, no, no, you don't. They didn't teach you that in Sunday school. But Uncle Gene is going to tell you. He said, we're going to play a game, and it's called, you got me. I'm going to ask you a question, and you've got to give me an answer from the Old Testament. Then you get to ask me a question. And whoever says, you got me first, loses, which will be you. (laughs) So we went back for almost half an hour. Finally, the question to God, and he said, all right, can you prove to me from the Old Testament that the New Testament is real? No, you can't. I said, yes, you can. And I had, in his Bible, page marked and highlighted Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, where God is talking to our forefathers, and he says, I am going to make a new covenant. And then if you go over to Matthew, during the Last Supper, Jesus, as he broke the bread, he said, this is my body, the new living covenant, the new living testament. And Gene went back and forth looking, and he told me, he said, well, you got me. And he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take your material, and I'm going to look at it while they put on my makeup. Then you can come back, get a photo with us, in makeup. And if I find a flaw, which I will, I'm going to give it back to you and say try again. But if I don't find a flaw, I'm going to keep it because you have something that I obviously don't. So about three and a half hours later, here they came, and I'm telling you, it's t- he, he's terrifying in the makeup. He's like that tall. And, uh, but he didn't have the gift bag with him. And I said, so? And he gave me a fist bump. He said, good job. I said, so you're going to keep it? He said, well, that was the agreement, wasn't it? Get your photo and get out of here. <laughs> so, so about nine months later, he was in Knoxville, Tennessee. You wouldn't believe who all comes through Knoxville. And so his, there was a manager there, and I knew the manager. And she, uh, the guy, he said, he said, just ask him for a photo. Just ask him for a photo. So you know, Gene was harassing some comic book dealers on the floor and uh, arguing over prices. And I said, Mr. Simmons, he didn't turn around. He said, yes, sir. And I said, C- can I get a quick photo with you? You do not sound like a female, so therefore, no. And I thought, well, <laughs> you haven't changed. And I said, well, you don't remember me, do you? And he turned around. And he said, well, 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 did you come to play again? And I said, yes, sir. And I offered him the gift bag. And he said, he said, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. I want If you want me to give you what you want, which is time and me listening, you got to give me what I want. And that's work. So. I didn't get to talk to him until the next day, at his actual signing, and uh, he said, "Well, here's," he said, "I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to look at your material today on the plane, and here's how you know I'm telling you the truth." And he showed me uh, there was a garbage can right there, a bunch of stuff people had given him. He said, "When people hand me this, I say thank you, and as soon as they walk out the door, I throw it away because I don't want it. But I'm telling you, thank you. I'm going to keep it because I'm not. I don't lie. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a liar." And we had talked again for about another half hour. So. Please, please be praying for Mr. Simmons. Anytime you think of KISS, anytime you see something of them, please be praying for all their souls, but specifically Gene, as he continues to look through the material. Now, uh, the next slide. No, do not do not clap. Do not clap. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. This is, my fa- this is my favorite section right now. I'm going over here to my favorite section. Now, so Cardi B, this is the sad story. So, Cardi, all right, well, no, we're not having a d- debate. Shh, We're not debating it here. It's open and shut case. She's bad. For multiple reasons, not just the music. The, the lyric content is the most despicable I've ever seen. So Cardi B was, this is at the Charlotte airport. She came out of the terminal with her entourage, and she was letting everybody know I'm not signing anything. Leave me alone. And I said, Miss, Miss Cardi, I, I just want to give you a gift. She said, well, I don't need your gift. And I said, well, you know, I, I, you know my si- little sister and I put it together. Because I told my little sister, I said, I'm going to have to pull out every stop I can. So you put some of the tracks in here. And she said, oh, oh okay, thanks. And uh, she didn't look at what it was. Took the photo. And as soon as she went down the escalator, right in the trash. Again, I don't know if she looked at it. I don't know if she knew what it was. But it's one of the saddest stories I've ever seen because it was an actual visual of what so many of us do. We take God's gift that he has given us and we throw it away. There are so many people in this world, and there may be some of you all sitting in here today, who have heard the gospel your entire life. You know who Jesus Christ is. You know that he died on the cross for you. But you... Take God's gift, and you just throw it away. You get rid of it. It's the exact same thing that she did that day. But, as, but every time you think of her, instead of booing her, instead of rolling your eyes like I've been guilty of, we need to be praying for her. Now, this next slide it's Wallace Shawn from Toy Story. Everybody loves him. So Wallace Shawn's story is very similar to James Taylor's story. His parents were both atheists, except instead of him being agnostic, he's an atheist as well. And this is in Orlando, Florida. This is near where my beautiful girlfriend lives. I met her when I was preaching down there last year. So we went to this event, and we give him the material, and he laid everything out on the table, and he's looking at it. And he said, "So this is why you all came to meet me?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And he said, "How old are you?" And at the time I said, "I'm 23, and she's 22." And he said, "Are you all on like a date?" And I said, "Yes sir." And he said." Why in the world are you here to talk to me instead of somewhere nice for your date? I said, because we love and we care about you. And he's looking at the material, and he said, well, you know, this could be life-changing. And before I could say anything, Morgan, she said, well, Jesus changed my life, and Jesus changed Dylan's life, and he can change your life as well. So we need need to be praying for Mr. Sean, that he makes that life-changing decision before it's eternally too late. And that's also a testimony, just because somebody says they don't believe, doesn't mean that they're not open to listen. Now this next slide, it's the last slide. Uh, I'm, I'm sure not a lot of you all in here know who Jerry Lee Lewis is, but this is my favorite story of anybody that I've ever met. So this is, in, this, is this past February. Now four years ago, Jerry Lee Lewis was interviewed and he said, I wake up every single night worried whether or not I'm going to heaven or hell. And his wife said, no, 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 Jerry, you're you're going to heaven. He said, no, I don't know that. And see, this shocks a lot of people because Jerry Lee Lewis grew up in church his entire life, grew up in church. Guess where he went to college? Does anybody want to guess what kind of college he went to? He went to a Bible college. So let me ask you. I don't want you to answer this out loud. I just want you to answer this in your heart. How could somebody that grew up in church and went to a Bible college be worried about whether they're going to heaven or hell? Think about it. So as I approached Mr. Lewis, I gave him the, the gift, and he's looking at it. And it was so funny. His wife came over to him as he was sitting there looking. She said, Jerry, is he bothering you? He said, I don't think so. I'll let you know, though. And... The first tract he pulled out said, How to Make Sure You're Going to Heaven. And he showed it to his wife. He said, Honey, this is exactly what I need. He knew exactly what I needed. She said, Jerry, Jerry, you're going to heaven. You're fine. He said, No, I don't know that. I do not know that. And he thanked me, and I told him I, that I would love to talk with him so he could be sure that he was going to heaven. And he said, I, I don't have time. I've got to board my flight, which he did. And I said, well, all my information's at the back of all the material. If you ever wanna get in contact with me, I'd love to talk to you. He said, thank you, I'll remember that. So fast forward a week later, I go to the mailbox, and you can go to the next slide, there's this. It says, do not worry, February 20th, two days after I met him, February 20th, 2019, Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior, Jerry Lee Lewis. That is the best thing anybody can ever tell you. Absolute best thing anybody can ever say. That they have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That is the absolute greatest decision anyone can ever make. I can stand up here and joke around and say, oh, it would have been funny if Donald Trump, you know, I should have said a million dollars, but no. There's nothing on this earth more valuable than knowing where your soul is going to spend eternity. Now, let me ask you all a question in here. I've been talking a lot about different celebrities, their different beliefs, their the different stories, and you can, like I said, you can. I'm going to be standing back here. I'm not leaving until everybody that's wanted to say something to me has said something. If you want to ask a story about your favorite celebrity or you have a question about the Bible, I would love to answer it. But I want to ask you all a question first. How many of you all sitting in here today know someone who is not saved, who doesn't know Jesus. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you know someone who isn't saved. That is everybody in this room. Everybody in this room I know knows somebody who is not saved. All right. Let me ask you another question. How many of you all, by show of hands, how many of you all believe that it is your job, it is your duty to tell others about Jesus? Again, it's pretty much every hand in this room. Now, did you know that this Right here, though, is the greatest problem with Christianity? Evangelism. Sharing the gospel is the greatest problem in Christianity. Because there's 99% of born-again believers who believe exactly what you believe. They believe, oh yeah, it's, it's my job to tell others about Jesus. 99% of Christians believe that. Out of those 99%, how many do you think, how many do you think actively share the gospel with the lost throw out some numbers at me keep them coming 19 percent 19 percent so do you know what that means that means that over 80 percent of born-again Christians do not share the gospel and did you know that is the greatest commandment that Jesus gave his church He told his disciples. Now, he didn't just tell those disciples standing there with him. He didn't just say, hey, you guys share the gospel, nobody else. He told his disciples, which is you. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are his disciple. And he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I'm going to ask you all another question. Why do you think it is that the 80% of Christians who do not share the gospel, why do you think they don't share the gospel? How they look socially at other people. Mm, how they look socially at other people. They're scared of how people react. Scared of how people react. They don't know enough to, know enough to teach people. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. They don't know how to start the conversation. They don't know how to start the conversation. I love all those answers. I love all those answers. One of those answers stood out to me. They don't know enough to. Well, see. Peter told us that we should always be prepared to give a reason for our hope. Now, if you are saved, if you are a born-again Christian, guess what? You have a testimony. You you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to a Bible college to be able to tell people about Jesus. You just got to tell them what he's done for you in your life. Because that, like Wallace Shawn said, it's life-changing. There's nothing more important than telling your friends about Jesus and what he did for you and what he can do for them. For instance, Paul and I were standing outside at the golf car as he drove me down here. We were talking about Bible buddies and different things. And imagine if I saw a truck coming down the road out of control, headed right towards Uncle Paul. But I didn't tell him because I didn't want to interrupt what I was saying. I didn't tell him because, well, he doesn't see the truck. He's going to think, what is he he doing? It's a little silly to think about, isn't it? Because if you saw your friend out there about to get hit by a truck, you would say something. There comes a point you just tackle that person. You push them out of the way. But in reality, that's what we are doing every single day. We're seeing hell down the road from where our friends are headed. We see their destination, but we don't do a thing about it because we don't want to be socially awkward, because we don't want to interrupt the relationship that you have with that person. You don't want to feel out of place. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, Saturday, and he was teasing me. He said, you need to go witness to such and such rock star, and it was a guy he really looked up to. And See, what I do at the beginning of every month is I pray over a list of people I can go for so God can show me who to go for. And I told him, I said, well, if God opens that door, I would love to. And he said, well, i I'm, I got a meet and greet. I'm going to go meet that person. You should come and do it with me. I said, or you could tell him about Jesus. And he said, no, 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 no. no. That's, that's, uh, that's not my calling. That's not my job. He, and he said, he said, not everyone's called to be an evangelist. I told him, I said, yeah, we are. And he said, no, he said, he said we're not all called to, he, he said, it's, we're all called to different things. Not everybody on this earth is called to be a firefighter. I said, we may not all be called to be a firefighter but we can all warn people about the fire that's down the road and not to go there. You may not be the one right there battling the flames, but you can be the one to say, don't go over there. Listen, that's exactly what it is. The truck coming down the road, the burning building, that's the problem with Christianity. We see our friends heading to hell, and we are doing absolutely nothing about it. Absolutely nothing about it. And God has trusted you with the gospel. We are ambassadors for Christ. You you have a platform that I'll never have. I have a platform that you'll never have. It's estimated you're going to meet 144,000 people in your lifetime. And how many of those people are you going to share Jesus with? Of the people in your life that you see every day, how many of them have you told Jesus about? When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? You don't have to answer that out loud. I just want you in your heart to think, when was the last time you told someone about Jesus and how he can save their soul? Now, a lot of you all, when you came in here, the first thing you saw was the bracelets sitting in your seats. Some of you all have already put them on, and that's okay. But if you haven't put them on, raise them in the air. If you put them on, raise your hand in the air. All righty. How many of you all have a pen with you? like a Sharpie or a pen? If you don't, I'll I'll start it passing out. All right, those of you, hold your wristbands in the air. Hold your wristbands in the air. doesn't matter if it's on your arm. doesn't matter if you haven't put on deodorant. We're at camp. It doesn't matter. All right, at the beginning of this little conversation, listen. Remember about 10 minutes ago when I said, how many of you all know someone who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? You thought of one specific person, didn't you? All right, here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna start this at the front over here. Here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to pass it on down through the back and it's gonna come back up through the front. Here's a Sharpie. I want you on the back of the bracelet, like where you fascinate, it says forever is too long to be wrong on the top. On the other side, I want you to flip it over and I want you to write the first name of that person you thought of. And I want you to put that bracelet on and I do not want you to take it off until you have told that person about Jesus. And I challenge you all, see, all right, it's a little different here at camp. You guys go back home, do you go back home Friday or Saturday? Friday. Friday. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Friday. You, if you don't want to put them on till Friday, that's fine. But I want you to remember them. And within 72 hours of getting home, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell that person about Jesus somehow. I want you to share the gospel with that person somehow. It could be giving them a tract. It could be inviting them to church, or it could be just asking them, if you died today, do you know where your soul is going to spend eternity? It's so important, guys. We're letting people slip by in the hell every single day. And those of you who are figuring out how how do I put it on there, that if I've already put it on, just write it beside Forever is too long to be wrong. And listen, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to put on that bracelet, and I'm going to write Kevin on it today. There's a guy named Kevin that I'm going to try to witness to tomorrow, and I don't want to take that bracelet off until I've shared Jesus with him. Listen, guys, there's going to come a day that you would give anything to have the opportunity to share Jesus with the person you're writing on this bracelet again. My friend Tony Nolan told me this story of this young man in California. He went and stood on the street corner on Hollywood Boulevard Every single day. It didn't matter what the weather was. It didn't matter if it was 100 degrees. It didn't matter if it was pouring rain. He was standing there. And you, know, you guys know what he was doing? Guess. Anybody want to guess what he was doing? Sharing the gospel? Preaching. He was handing out tracts. It was kind of both of those things. He's handing out tracts to different people. And he kind of stood right outside of where this pastor had an office in Hollywood. And he said, I saw people push it. Away, I saw people throw it away. I saw him get cussed out. I also saw souls being changed for eternity. I saw people accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And he said, I, thought, I would love to know this young man's story. So he, invi- he went out and invited the young man to lunch. And he said, son, I'd love to hear your story. What's your story? And he said, what do you mean, what's my story? I, 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 I got saved in youth group. And he said, no, why do you do what you do? And he said, that young man that always has the biggest smile on his face, he said, his smile just faded away. And he said, well, sir, sir my dad died a couple months ago. I got saved about a month before my dad passed away. But I never told my dad about Jesus because I didn't want to rock the boat of our relationship. I didn't want my dad to look at me like, man, he's that weird Jesus freak guy. I didn't want my dad to make fun of me. So I just didn't. I didn't tell him about Jesus. And then one morning I woke up and my dad had died in the middle of the night unexpectedly. And he said, and I went to the funeral. He said, I remember just standing there looking. And I knew in my heart that if something had not happened my dad was in hell, and I did absolutely nothing to tell him about Jesus. And he said, I, I, I couldn't, I could barely sleep. And then finally one night, I was able to get some good sleep, and I had a dream. And he said, Pastor, I know this was a dream. I know this isn't one of those, this is not something that actually happened. It's a dream, but it's a dream that God gave me to wake me up. He said, I woke up, and I was in like this cavern. I was in like this cave. He said, it was the hottest place I'd ever, ever been in my life. And he said, I'm trying to look around, it's so dark, and finally you can see a little light at the end of the cave. He said, so I started walking towards that light. And he said, there was this huge, terrifying-looking beast standing beside this gate. And he said, by that gate, there was, you know, it it was like a jail cell. You know, you could stick something through there. And he said, there were arms and hands and legs and faces trying to push their way out of that gate. He said, there were people screaming and crying. It was the wailing and gnashing of teeth that Jesus talked about in Matthew. And he said, it hurt my ears, it was so loud. And he said, he looked at the beast, he said, he looked at the faces through the gate, and he said, sir, these people look severely dehydrated. can't you get them a little bit of water? And he said, and the beast started laughing and said, this is hell. There's no water in hell. And he said, "Well, well, sir, it's really, really hot in here, can't... Isn't there a breeze that sometimes comes through here to cool people off? He said, the beast laughed even louder and said, you're in hell. Nothing good here. There's no satisfaction. There's no peace. Only death. Eternal death. And he said, and at that point, he said, I couldn't stand the smell of the burning skin anymore. I couldn't stand the hearing the people crying and screaming. So he said, I turned away and I was getting away as fast as I could, and then something grabbed my leg. He said, I didn't know what it was, but he said, it was like, you know, how you feel like a branch grab your leg when you're walking through the woods. He said, it felt like that. He said, I tried to kick it off. I tried to stomp it off. He said, but I couldn't. So I turned to grab whatever it was to pull it off. And guess who it was? It was my dad. He said, it was my dad trying to crawl out of hell. He said, and as I turned around, the beast was grabbing him, dragging him back into the cage. And he said, the last thing I remember hearing, seeing and hearing was my dad being dragged back into hell. He said, he's crying and screaming, son, why didn't you tell me? You knew and you didn't tell me. Why? He said, and I woke up. And I knew that was probably reality for my dad right then. And if my dad could say anything to me right then, it would be, why didn't you tell me? He said, so from that moment forward, I decided I have to tell everybody I possibly can about Jesus so that they do not have that same fate because of me. I want to have that opportunity to stand in between them and eternity. He said, I want to encourage other believers to do the same thing so that that never happens to them. And that's what I'm doing here with you guys this morning. I am absolutely begging you. You may not think that you have a platform. Well, there's this little girl in Cincinnati. I told this story at a sermon. Little girl, she's eight years old, and she came up to me. She said, will you please pray for my friend, Ginger? I want to share Jesus with her tomorrow, and I don't know how. What, what should I do? And I said, well, just go tell her about Jesus. Take, and there were some tracks at the church. I said, here, take some of these and go see her. I got a message on Instagram the next day from her mom, and she said, Ginger is this 80-some-year-old lady that lives down the road. And see, I was thinking it was probably this little girl on the playground that she played with, but it was this little old lady. And she said, my daughter got a gift bag from our closet, put in a Bible, put in those tracks you gave her, and hand-wrote her a letter telling her the gospel went and knocked on that lady's door. And she said, that lady started crying and said, you would not believe this, but just yesterday I thought, when I die, I don't know what's going to happen to me. What if I go to hell? And she said, I prayed, God, if you are there, if you exist, send somebody to tell me how I can go to heaven. And then here came this little girl. That little girl may not have thought that she can make a difference, but she made an eternal difference for that lady's life. You may not think you can make a difference in your school, in your friend group, in your family, but trust me, God can use you. And let me just tell you right now, one soul is worth it all. If one soul accepts Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior, it's worth it all. Because Jesus died for every single person in this world. Listen, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are, God can use you. But now I want to ask you all one last question before we go. I know you guys got free time next. I don't want to take away time from that. But this is more important than any free time. I don't want anyone putting their hands up right now. But is there, are you sitting here this afternoon and you know that you don't know for sure where you're going to heaven, if you're going to hell? You're not for sure where you're going. Listen to me. It doesn't matter if you grew up in church. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a Christian home. You may be just like Jerry Lee Lewis. You've gone to church your whole life. You may even be planning to go to a Christian college. But you don't know that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Listen to me. Today is the day to make that decision, the greatest decision that you could ever make. Because Jesus loves you. Jesus died on the cross for your sins that you wouldn't have to face eternal death. So that you wouldn't have to go to hell. See, Jesus' gift of salvation is just like the gift that I give to the celebrities. It's 100% free just for you. But if you don't accept it, you can never receive it. That's one of the things my friend said that Matt Fernandez told her. He said, that gift, it had my name in it. It was just for me, and if I hadn't taken it from him, I, I just would have missed out. And it's the same with you. God is offering you salvation this morning, this afternoon. It's got your name on it. Just like Cardi B, that gift, it had her name on it. It was just for her, but she just threw it in the trash. And you have to make the decision this afternoon. Are you going to take God's gift and accept it? Or are you going to throw it in the trash? Listen, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. And listen, just because you're sitting here at a Christian camp doesn't change a thing. Doesn't matter your background doesn't matter what you've told your friends. doesn't matter what you've told your family. You can't let pride keep you from heaven. Now, I'm going to ask one of these questions again. And there is absolutely no one looking around but me. And I'm not going to call you out. But if you were sitting here this afternoon and you're thinking, Dylan, I'm not for sure where I'm going to spend eternity. When you asked me to raise my hand if I knew someone who wasn't saved, I thought of myself. Dylan, if I die today, I don't think I'm going to heaven. Would you please raise your hand so I can pray for you? I'm not, I won't call you out. I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? I see that hand, too. I see that hand. Hand's going up. Listen, you're not alone here this morning. There's other people here. I see that hand, too. Okay, you can put your hands down. Here's what I want you to do. If you raised your hand this morning, Raise your hand this afternoon. Here's what I would like you to do. I know I would love to talk to you and personally tell you how you can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I know Uncle Paul would love to do the same. And you can do one of two things this morning. You can either come up here to the altar to pray, and I'll pray right here with you. Everyone will wait. Your friends will wait. Swim time will wait. Recreation time will wait. Eternity's forever. And you never know when eternity could begin. So if you raised your hand that you know you're not going to heaven, but you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I would love you to either come to the altar, come talk with me now, step to the back of the room to talk to Uncle Paul, or you can wait until we're dismissed here in a minute. Like I said, I'm going to be standing at the back by my table. I'm going to be the last one to leave. And nothing would make my day more than to talk with you so you can know where you're spending eternity. I'm going to say a prayer, and then you guys are dismissed. Dear Lord, we come before you this afternoon camp. God, I I pray that this weekend when these kids go home and they're wearing their bracelets with that one name on the inside, that they will take the challenge, the 72-hour challenge to tell that person about Jesus before it is eternally too late. God, they could be that person's last chance before they enter into eternity. And God, I pray that the several hands that were raised here this afternoon, God, I pray that right now you are working in their hearts, that they are not going to leave this building without accepting your son as their personal Lord and Savior. God, I prayed by these doors before these kids came down here that not one soul would walk out of here without accepting you. And God, I pray that you will do that this morning. I pray you will convict that heart. I pray that they will either come and talk to me that they'll come and talk to Uncle Paul. God, we love you, and we thank you for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Guys, thank you so much for listening this morning. Now, I'm going to go stand at the back here, and if you would like when you get home to follow on social media so you can see the different celebrities, go to Celebrity Evangelist. Thank you very much.